0: Today on Vulnerable, I get to chat with Juliana Joel. She is a trans bilingual Puerto Rican actress whose recent credits are Nikki on Raven's Home, Showtime's American Gigolo, The Book of Queer, and coming up, Netflix's Absolute Dominion. Juliana was the first trans live action character on the Disney Channel. And she was recently nominated for a GLAAD Media Award for her role as Nikki on Raven's Home. Obviously, trigger warning, Juliana talks about her journey uh, and her realities on a daily basis uh, that have brought her to a place of courage. And um, I certainly was very willing to listen to her experience. And I think we had a lovely conversation, so I'm grateful for her to share her story. And I hope you enjoy this episode of all of So, yeah, so basically I, I I looked at your bio and then I was like, I was like, oh, shit, first trans actress on Disney Channel, how are you not going to be on my podcast? And it's really great when you can find collaborators or just folks that want to support whatever it is you're doing, which it seems like more and more as I'm talking about stuff to people that are gravitating to being guests, like there's a mental health focus, there's an advocacy focus, there's just inclusion that becomes a, a, a recurring theme. Um, and, and and it's a huge spectrum of it. Like I've had really conservative people, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I've had conservative people that had happened to be child actors. Um, this one kid named Bug Hall. And he was repeatedly molested by people in the industry. And now he's this devout like Catholic guy. And he lives off the land. He, he says he's taken a vow of poverty. And it's it's always very interesting to me to have this like range of guests because people assume when they watch my content that like everything is politicized. And sometimes it's a matter of a conversation and content. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. content sometimes isn't more than what about this conversation can help people? Like what good, can they, it's like nutritional value. Like can we right. get good out of this conversation, which is this poor kid was molested. Now how, how fascinating is it that he's gone in this completely different direction and that's not justifying or sharing by the way any of his views or anything like that right so i guess that's why when i i'm so happy that you had texted our producer and was like yo tell Chrissy, nothing's off the table except except gossip about jlo cuz you want to work with jlo yes. we're manifesting this for you for 2023
1: i'll give you the scoop after the interview
0: okay but but i mean just like gender and you know me being sort of this millennial like white woman right that was part of this like very like feminist 1.0 like like mindset and like m- i'm just gonna like mention that there's there's holes in my understanding and and just acknowledge that from the beginning because fuck it we're here to grow and learn and we're gonna move forward with that so we love that okay so let's start i, I wanted i wanted to start a way in into acting and art So, like, when did you realize that you wanted to be in this crazy acting world? Um,
1: I always knew from a very young age. I went to performing arts schools all my life. Um, But where I grew up in my family, I'm from a Puerto Rican family um, with very humble beginnings. No entertainment connections at all. Um, No one around me was in entertainment. At the time, I was, you know, I mostly grew up in Florida, in Tampa, Florida, unfortunately. Um, sorry, Florida people, I mean it. Um, <laughs> and um, back then, I remember I would um, watch Disney Channel, mm. literally Disney Channel while I was in, um, skipping school um, or at school. And I just dreamt of being able to do that, of being an actor. Um, mm. And not knowing how to do it at all. Whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I just had to kind of figure it out for myself. Um, After I left Florida, I went to school in New York Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to LA. And all of that truly also was just fueled by who I was, my identity. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up in Florida, it's very difficult to be a part of the community, as you can see Mm -hmm. by everything that's happening these days in Florida. so really, my motivation was to just get out of there, okay. Not knowing if I would ever actually get into acting, just get out and then figure it out.
0: So, hold on, was your did you feel like unsafe when you were there? Did, what was the feeling? Oh, yeah. of being trans in you uh, know, well, actually, in the school, high school. Let, let's
1: let's mm-hmm. rewind. Sure. So when I grew up, I had not come out as trans. Okay. I did not know anybody trans. I never heard the word. Did not know trans people exist. Wow. At all whatsoever. I thought because I was attracted to men at the time that that meant I was gay, because that's what you would think. And the school I went to was a performing arts school where everybody was gay. The football team was gay. Like everybody was gay. The
0: football team was gay. Yes.
1: There was awesome. no, There was no like <laughs> the cheerleaders, the jocks. It was like the theater kids, the art majors, the um, orchestra majors, mm-hmm. and like literally everybody was gay. But okay. weirdly, nobody dated each other. Um,
0: that is interesting.
1: It was. Hmm. Um, and so I came out um, in high school. Well, I accidentally outed myself. Um, you accidentally outed yourself? Yes.
0: Oh, no. That sounds traumatizing. Do you want to
1: hear this story? I do. it's it's, it's rough. Um,
0: if you want to share it, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. People always get a kick out of this one. Um, so I come from a Puerto Rican Catholic military family. My father is military. Ooh. And Puerto Rican very, you know, machismo. That's as yeah. we were speaking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, terrifying man. Terrifying. The most loving man, life of the party for everybody else, but in his house, terrifying. I was not allowed to show emotion growing up. Oh fuck. I could not cry. Oh my god. I could not be sensitive. Um, as a gay kid at the time, that's very difficult. Like very difficult. D- okay. And um And growing up, I would always hear how my father, other people in my family would react to gay people, lesbians, trans people, Um, the things they would say, how they would look at them, the derogatory terms that would come out of their mouth. So as a kid, your parents are your superheroes. And the last thing you want to do is disappoint your superheroes. So when you start seeing how they're reacting to other people that you connect with in a way that you don't even understand, you just start repressing any feeling connected to that, any feeling of of who you really are. You just start storing it away because you don't wanna disappoint your superheroes. And I did that for many, many years. Um, And then when I got in high school, you know, in high school you start rebelling a little, you wanna be you, you wanna be an individual. And that's when my attraction towards men grew. And uh, my first boyfriend ever, Armando Hernandez, um, of course, it's an Armando, um, (laughs) at the time, um, asked me out Easter weekend on AOL Instant Messenger.
0: Hell yeah, millennial girl. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, And... That I remember that I was in my um, AP chem class and... I'm texting. Okay,
0: AP... Uh, She's smart. Yeah.
1: She's not just an actor and a pretty face. Okay. Um, I was in my AP chem class and I'm texting my best friend at the time. And at the time, I think I had like... What were those called? Um, Sidekick? Yeah. So there's no read receipt. There's none of that. Okay. And I sent him this super long message. Like an essay long message. Oh um, no, girl. Um, about how... <laughs> excited I was to go out with Armando, how I couldn't wait to like kiss him. Oh
0: shit, oh no, I know where this is going, oh no.
1: Um, This is, I wanna say this is like the end of my sophomore year in high school and my dad picks me up from school because I couldn't drive yet and he hands me his phone and it's the message because I didn't realize the entire day that I accidentally text my dad instead of my best friend. Okay. And I saw that message (laughs) and my heart just dropped. Like, I've never felt that feeling again in my life because it was truly terrifying. Okay. Um, and as you would expect from a then very close-minded homophobic father, um, it was literally like the next world war in my house. Like I, You
0: were in the car with him?
1: Yeah. And the whole car ride, he kept saying, um, you know, I could never accept this you know this is going to make your mother choose you over me, and that's going to lead to our divorce. Mm -hmm. Don't know how that came into play, but it did. Um, And he just kept going on and on about how um, he didn't raise me that way, and um, we're not going to (laughs) cry.
0: If you want to, we have Kleenexes.
1: Great. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I haven't told that story in a while. But... um, I get home and my mom starts crying. For her, it was more just like the motherly fear. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Oh, okay. That sort of thing, but okay. also not understanding. Sure. Um, and I had to go to a Christian camp. Oh, fuck. To be converted. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so did that.
0: In okay. Flor- Florida?
1: In Florida. <laughs> Um, where they kept singling me out every single day. And I would just be like berated and just have the Bible like ingrained into my brain. Um, And I would have to tell them that I was straight. And I would literally just sit there and be like, girl.
0: The irony is that you technically are straight. (laughs) I am, that's the joke I
1: always make. I'm like, so you understand it worked (laughs) (laughs) because I'm a straight woman now. (laughs) So it worked. Anyway, long story short, Come back home, I get kicked out, move in with my brother who's super supportive but also just doesn't understand. Graduate high school, the day I graduate high school, I haul out of ass out of Florida, move to New York to be on my own. Um, New York didn't work out cause I like warm weather, sorry. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. real cold there. It's too cold for Like me. for most of the um, year actually. Move to LA, LA is where I start learning that trans people exist. and I hadn't met anyone, I just saw trans women in passing or would like know someone who knew someone and it just started clicking. And even though it started clicking and I finally got to the point of understanding that that's what I was, I did not accept it. Because in my mind, I told myself, coming out as gay was literally the next world war in my house. If I come out as trans, I will literally lose everything.
0: So what was your relationship with your family once you came out? They were on talking terms, but they didn't approve kind of thing? Or? When I came
1: out as trans?
0: Uh, I, uh, when you when you technically came out as gay, that first wave. Oh,
1: yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, my mother and I would talk even when I moved back in to the house to finish high school. Mm-hmm. My father and I would just pass each other in the hallway, like not say a word. And mm-hmm. he was always just very awkward around me. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I flew them to Puerto Rico for Thanksgiving one year, I think I was 21. Um, That was the first time that my dad um, pulled me aside and apologized and said, I'm an idiot and I love you and I'm so sorry. And if anybody fucks with you, I have your back. Okay. Don't know where that came from. Where the fuck? Um, Actually, I do know where that came from. It came from the fact that I went out and started to build a life on my own. Um, And I did something that my parents weren't able to do, which was to live their dreams. You know, they—I um, love my parents to death, mm-hmm. but again, they're very humble Puerto Rican family. They don't have a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I know my dad's history and circumstances with his family mm-hmm. as to how he grew up and how he considered himself like the black sheep of his family. Um, Why
0: was he considered the black sheep?
1: He. Considered himself that because all, he was the youngest of eight. All of his siblings went to university and have these amazing careers um, and amazing lives and houses and all these things. And when it got to him, there was no money to send him. So he was forced to do the military thing, oh. which he did for years.
0: So his like bodily agency was taken from him too? Yes. Okay.
1: Um, and he just, he's held on to that for so long.
0: A lot of trauma there. A lot of trauma, which mm-hmm.
1: we're still working on <laughs> with him. Okay. Um, but the important thing is that we're working on it. Uh, yeah. Um, which is, because it's very hard for men. It's so hard for men. Mm-hmm. But especially men. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But it's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah.
0: And Italian men.
1: And Italian men. My brother
0: and my father. Oh, my God. Men in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Men in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So, I didn't... Um, Have a relationship or start to have a relationship with them until I was about 21, which is when they started coming around. So you can imagine fast forward when I'm in LA and realize that I'm trans. Okay. Debating if I should do what's right for me and risk my entire family, my livelihood. Um, you know, you have to understand at that time there was not much, if any, trans representation in media. Mm -hmm. We didn't have Laverne. We didn't have pose. We didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. We had There was like drag We ones. had like we had drag queens. It was we, like RuPaul. Well, we know? had we had men impersonating women. Yes. We had men in wigs. We mm-hmm. did not have trans women. And if we had trans women, because there were true trans icons like um, Candace Kane mm-hmm. who broke ground with like Niptuck and really changed the game for us. Even though we had that, the roles we were seeing that these trans women were only being able to portray were a corpse on law and order SVU, a rape victim, a junkie, Jerry Springer, there was no, no positive stories of trans women.
0: Oh, my gosh, I was thinking back uh, the other day, there's um, this Aerosmith music video uh, with Edward Furlong. This might be a little bit of a (laughs) you might be too young for this.
1: I'm I'm not gonna lie, girl, you lost me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't watch it or watch it. But it's it's uh, living on the edge, and Edward Furlong was this like hot '90s star that everyone was crushing on because he was the kid in Terminator, but he was this like edgy kid. He was like Leo DiCaprio. He was right before Leo DiCaprio. Anyway, I know I'm I'm listening, but I wanted I wanted to share something recent with you. So it was really fucked up because I remembered, and this is how deep we are programmed as millennials about this shit. Because in the music video that aired on MTV. His teacher, he like, he wanted to be with his teacher. He thought she was super sexy. That was the whole point of the fucking music video. Living on the Edge, it's like, it was this crazy song. It was very, very popular. Well, at the end of the music video, it turns out that, you know, they were flirting in class and she was like showing her legs and everything. And then she takes off her, her, she's like in her bathroom and she's taking off all her stuff and it turns out that she's trans. And it was, but narratively, as it was pictured in this music video that was glorified and shown to like everyone in mtv for probably years and is now probably on pop-up video it shouldn't be i was just thinking about this the other day it's like that was really shitty representation you know that was like oh my god how dare he be attracted to a trans woman kind of thing and she's a teacher anyway so i feel you on that that representation
1: that's the part that always gets me once they find out they're trans, you're still attracted to them. You might not wanna sleep with them because they're trans. You might not wanna sleep with me because I'm trans, but when you were flirting with me at the bar and trying to get my number and trying to take me home, that doesn't change the fact that you were attracted to me and wanted to me.
0: The hangover. You remember the hangover when they're in Thailand? Oh, uh, yeah. and, and that thing that they do with the person, <clears throat> it was really shitty. Like this. Represent- Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey. That's right.
1: Oh. He start, literally starts vomiting when he finds out. Yeah, this sucks. So when you're seeing that. <laughs> yeah, that really sucks. You, you don't imagine that you have any chance of living any sort of healthy, successful life. Mm-hmm. Of living in general. Because you have a media that is showing the world that it is okay to literally brutalize trans women because they're not human. They're not women. They're not deserving of basic human rights. And to wrap up the story with my dad, mm-hmm. because there is a happy ending that people should hear. Um, you know, I, the way I came out to them um, about my trans identity was that I wrote them letters separately. And in the letters, I explained to them what life was like for me on a daily basis. I didn't talk about a bunch of medical terms, hormones, transitioning, surgeries, none of that. All I described was, what is life like for me every day I wake up?
0: Their their child. Yeah. To
1: humanize Mm -hmm. what I was going through. Trying to have a relationship. Trying to work at a job in a confident way. Um, Trying to have relationships with them. Why I never smile. Why I never open up to people. And so, long story short... my dad and dad is now my number one cheerleader, like my biggest fan, like biggest fan. He loves showing me off. Um, weirdly likes the attention I get, like when we're out at like bars and stuff, I'm like, you understand you're still my dad. Like, I I appreciate this. And this is so cool. But I don't need you to keep coming up to me and tell me that guy is checking me out. I know he's checking. I don't need your help, Dad. Oops. Like, it's so cute. It's really but, cute. Um, and the reason I like to tell that story is because I, especially now with cancel culture, we are so quick to um, to cancel people, um to not give people time to grow and learn. And I'm not saying put up with disrespect, put up with violence or any of that. Absolutely not. But something that I tell, especially kids who are in the beginning of their transition or adults who are in the beginning of their transition is that when you transition your entire environment around you transitions transitions with you like your family goes on this journey with you and just as it took you so much time to figure out who you were come to terms with it own it and love it you have to allow the people around you to do the same especially parents it's very difficult for them again i'm not saying put up with misgendering and all that but Allow room and time for them to to understand it and to see it for what it really is.
0: But I'm worried about you. So how are you finding you? Meaning the person, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's transitioning. How are they finding a safe space to exist while their family is processing? Like where mm-hmm. where do, you know what I mean? Like where where do you suggest they
1: go to exist? That's very tricky because it really depends on. Um, your environment and your age. Mm -hmm. Are you on your own or are you still living with your parents? Are you an adult or are you a minor? Are you living in Austin, Texas? Are you living in Los Angeles, California? Mm -hmm. Because all of those things come into play. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell if you're a minor and you're living in Texas, in Mm -hmm. Florida, in wherever else in the middle of America, I tend to give the advice of hold on as much as you can until you're a adult and can go out out on your own. In the meantime, while you're doing that, you have a community. The beautiful thing about the LGBTQ community is that we are a chosen family. It doesn't matter if I know you or not personally. If you came up to me and I knew you were trans, you are my sister. Mm -hmm because we share an experience and a bond that nobody else will ever, blood or not. You are my sister, I have your back, you are my family. So with the internet, with social media, there are communities out there. You can't find people to connect with and to um, start creating that safe space for yourself. And it sucks because you want your family, your actual family, blood family to be that for you. But the reality is, is that most of the time it's not. right. So you have to create a family for yourself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But before you can even do that, you have to be that person for yourself and learn how to do that for yourself.
0: Which I find interesting because everybody's going through that shit right now. Everyone's got generational traumas that they're breaking. We've got tons of people like myself, like um, millennial moms who don't have a village and really have to figure out childcare situations, that they have to, it, it, there's no support in ways that we would have thought there was support. There's all, like I said, there's discipline things, we're doing gentle parenting. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much being changed that that's that's stuff that was broken that we have to reevaluate to find a way of existing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying existing like it, in terms of the stakes that we're talking about with trans women or men, but it's like existing in that, domestic, um, uh, like, uh, distribution, um, is actually very unfair to women. And so it's like actually really hard to stomach at times when you're like, yo, like, why isn't this 50 50, like this Mm -hmm. fucking sucks. And now I don't even have a village, but I'm still expected to make an income. Like I'm fucking struggling. I want to drink or like, "I I have no way of releasing. Like I have no release. You start to feel very fucking hopeless. And so like I know for me, it's been TikTok that's been a community of like, like-minded like w- women who've been struggling and being like, I, I don't have any friends, like I'm isolated and I'm scared and I'm sad and I, I shouldn't be feeling this way about certain things. And I just feel like it's this kind of thing that a lot of people can relate to feeling isolated and, and a little dehumanized, to be honest, mm-hmm. not at your level not in any way similar but only in that if you can pull a thread of human emotion keep pulling it right and then eventually you can find a way into someone else's like struggle am i wrong no you're right okay i think i'm not comparing the struggles
1: no absolutely I, i totally get what you're saying okay i think a challenge that a lot of people face in doing that is in order to like seek out community. Mm -hmm. You have to get real with yourself as to how you feel you're failing yourself or not being lifted up. Like you have to face the things that you don't wanna face in your life.
0: Like you have to love yourself kind of thing? Like you have to fall in love with yourself in order to advocate for yourself or?
1: Well, partly yes. Okay. It's not coming out the way I want it to, but we'll get there. What I'm trying to say is <clears throat> whenever um, we're in a place where, where we, we feel alone and we feel like we have no one supporting us, um, we have literally the entire world on our shoulders. In order to make that step of reaching out, or if, when you want someone to reach their hand out to you, yeah, you have to reach your hand out as well. Got it. Like you have to have that faith in yourself that someone will grab your hand.
0: Oh, shit. That's deep, though. That is, though. That's really deep because when you're, when you're hurting, you want to protect yourself. Totally. Right.
1: Totally. But that's why a couple of phrases ago I said you first have to be that person for yourself. That way, when, if someone doesn't grab your hand, you're still going to st- be standing up. You're not going to fall. You're just going to go in a different direction until another person grabs your hand okay that's what I'm trying to say
0: yeah no I think I think it's a very complex concept and it's it's hard I
1: know I get well, it. for it's me, it's harder said than done for me in particular it's I... harder said than done uh-huh because I can't just tell someone oh you just have to believe in yourself and it'll all work out. no <laughs> you're like oh god no no that's the last thing you want to hear when you're going through shit yeah but you just you do have to have a sense of of self-love and alignment as to who you are and what you stand for even if what's happening around you isn't hasn't aligned with that yet
0: i i really hope that for myself
1: <laughs> That's oh God, what's going on
0: no no i'm I, that's why i'm like projecting but at the same time i'm like this is so relatable this in some ways it's so relatable because everybody around us is having these weird i would say crisis of identities mm-hmm. obviously for me i'm a child actor so it's always a topic of mine having yeah. dual identities it's like who am i where's art where's because you were talking so you're on raven's
1: home before we get to that okay but yeah but okay. you, the thing you have to understand is that our identities constantly evolve there you go as you get older see i have fixed in the past this way no who you are now is not who you were back then okay and it's not who you're going to be in 10 years so how
0: do you release that that imagery how do you like say goodbye do you mourn it do you do you kill it do you what's your relationship to
1: you don't have to kill it okay like oh we don't need to get that dark well i can't
0: it's (laughs) part of my like bread and butter is
1: talking about my past so it's like hard to no, as you should but it's are you talking about your past to build your future and to help you navigate your future? Or are you talking about your past because you're still stuck there?
0: Yes, both. But but I'd say with this podcast, I've been given, I guess, representation and anyone who comes on the podcast becomes a part of that dialogue. Mm-hmm. So more and more I'm understanding that all of that visibility and representation matters so much more than I even initially thought it feeds into the catharsis
2: mm-hmm. of
0: letting it go. But it does take a long time. So when I, when I when I hear you say like, oh yeah, so this is what I did, and that's how I got to the next step. It's like,
1: wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I gave you the Cliff Notes version because okay. we can't be here all day. Okay. But um, really I will give you the, the full uh, Oprah Super Soul Sunday version <laughs> another time.
0: But I think it's really beautiful that your relationship with your family is great and solid. And so when you were in California, you when did you start to say okay i'm an actress and i'm gonna approach these (coughs) roles and and like how did you make that shift
1: um so i got here i started acting like just figured it out like how to i literally started from the bottom like doing like background work Mm -hmm. until i could like get a sack card or find representation and like most people you have the shittiest representation when you start yeah where you're like You're literally doing nothing for me. Mm -hmm. I could have done this myself. Why Mm -hmm. am I paying you? Mm -hmm. Um no, I started acting and again, at the time I hadn't transitioned yet. Okay. So I was on these sets trying to do my job as an actor, but I was miserable because I was acting in my personal life as it is, trying to pretend that I was this person that I wasn't. And also just auditions were just brutal for me. Oh god. Because auditions are brutal in general. But to go in as someone who is not grounded in who they are as a person, that's the worst way (laughs) to go into an audition and try to convince these people that you're right for this role. Yeah, okay. Um, Because you you end up putting so much pressure on yourself because you're seeking validation as an actor, as a human being. As
0: a human, yeah.
1: And so it wasn't until... uh, after I transitioned that I went back into acting. And it took me a while because again, like representation in media still wasn't great. Well, the
0: opportunities weren't there either. The
1: opportunities weren't there. Mm -hmm. And I told myself the lie that no one would want to hire me. Like who would want to hire me? And then I said, I literally, literally like brushing my teeth one day, I just looked in the mirror and I said, fuck it, that's not my problem if the world isn't ready for me. This is my life, and my life is ready for me. I'm ready for my life, and it's not gonna happen until I step into who I am and go for what I want. So having been able to then go back into those casting rooms authentically as myself, aligned with myself, not seeking validation as an artist, as a human being, allowed me the freedom to A, enjoy that moment, the pressure's out the window and it's just great feeling that these people are staring you down and you're like, I don't care if you like me or not. 100%. I'm going to do what I love and I'm going to make you fall in love with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really what kind of switched the game for me was really aligning myself with who I was and being confident in it and owning it. Because I would go into auditions, even for trans-specific roles, where I would be told you don't look trans enough. Okay, okay. But you know what that means. No. Oh, what does that mean? I get like, I know what they're saying. Like, no, I I don't actually, can you please clarify? (laughs) I I sure will. Okay. Um, Because, you know, as we were saying earlier, up until that point, it was typically male actors portraying trans women in media Mm -hmm. because they want that shock value to a masculine woman on screen, to someone who looks more masculine or looks like they were born male, they want to see that. Even though trans people come in so many shapes and forms and some of us don't want to pass, some of us do. And when I would hear that, I I knew what they were saying. They wanted a man in a wig, basically. They Mm -hmm. wanted the male actor, but they know they'll get canceled. They wanted like
0: a drag queen.
1: But they would get canceled if they did that. Mm -hmm. Because now you do get canceled if you don't hire a trans actor to play a trans role. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: It sounds to me like you actually don't like cancel culture though. No, I don't. In some ways. Okay.
1: No. Okay. I mean, absolutely cancel someone if they are being intently like malicious. Yeah, like if they're
0: they're harming people. But if someone makes an
1: innocent mistake, Like, if you accidentally misgender me, I'm not going to cancel you and call you out. I'm going to be like, oh, by the way, it's actually she, her. Mm -hmm. Now, if you keep doing it after, and then I'm going to get to that point of being irritated and be like, okay, so you do actually have malicious intent because you don't actually respect me. Mm -hmm. But cancel culture, that's a whole different topic. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Because again,
1: the reason why I say that is because when I look back at my dad, my dad gave me every single reason to cancel him forever, to completely cut him out of my life. Had I done that, I would not have a dad now. I would not have now the dad who literally showed up to a pride festival in Puerto Rico without my knowledge, without even asking me, just showed up, conned me one day on FaceTime, and was drinking beers with drag queens. The Puerto Rican military dad. there's hope <laughs> there's hope <laughs> that's
0: good to know that there's hope, but um wh- what's your uh, what's the advice that you give to people that n- want to hold on to the relationship with their family, but like there's no hope like they hope there's hope, <clears throat> but it's not going to come? Do they set a timeline? do they say
1: If you, no, it's whatever timeline you want, but it's really it really comes down to um If you want to continue trying, absolutely put your heart in it if you want to do that, if that's what you feel is right for you. But also understand you shouldn't give so much to the point where you end up making that person a thief, that they're literally stealing joy from you because you're trying as hard as you can, but you can't control how someone else reacts to you or embraces you or not. Um, and again, find your chosen family. Find your chosen family and find find yourself. Be aligned with yourself. I know it's hard. I didn't have my parents for years. I'm very lucky to have them now. Yeah. Um, but I know what it's like to not have them. And it sucks. But at the end of the day, I have to live my life. I have to be happy. I have to love myself. I have to receive love. And if I keep chasing love, from someone who isn't capable of giving it to me, I'm just distracting myself from the people who are gonna do that for me. So why not focus on them? Got it. Let me feed into those relationships.
0: Yeah, because you, yeah, you'll attract more of what you need by yeah. being present for it. So Disney.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Disney.
0: Um what what happened how'd that all go down were they looking for or was it blind casting or like what happened
1: uh so i got a call from my team that Mm -hmm. uh disney was um looking for an out trans actor to play an out trans character on disney channel and my jaw dropped (laughs) like literally dropped i'm like excuse me like in 2022 <laughs> or is this like 10 years down the road and we're just like prepping um especially because we had just come out of the like disney don't say gay backlash and all of that mm-hmm. so then also my mind was like oh is this damage over control yeah,
0: yeah 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 they're like trying to quote unquote overcorrect or something like that yeah. okay and then they're gonna like try to like walk <laughs> it back or something right. yeah okay
1: and so they asked me if i would be interested in auditioning i said um hell yeah I'm like, do you not understand? I was like the biggest Disney fan. <laughs> um, and then they told me the show that it was going to be Raven's Home, which is, you know, a continuation of basically That's So Raven. And I literally, like my mind went so blank because I, sa- I told Raven this story, like literally like, on set, leaving from the COVID tent when we were getting COVID tests and we were wearing these like hideous orange bob wigs because we're like in disguise for that episode. I was like, you don't understand <laughs> like what this is like for me to step on this set. That is the set of my- Oh, it's like the literal set too, isn't it? It's like the chill grill. Yeah, because they went
0: back to the original set. They
1: went back to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, so for me to be on that set, which is or on that show, which is a version of my favorite childhood show and I get to do it authentically as myself, as a positive yeah. trans character. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried in that dressing room.
0: What did Raven do? Was she supportive?
1: Do you want the real story? She won't mind because I we're good. I do. That's my girl. Yeah. Um, she watched my audition. I didn't know this. I mean, I assumed because she's an executive producer that she would have to sign. She's off very hands
0: on. Hands-on. She's very <laughs> she's very hands on, especially if
1: you're going to be her scene partner, which is. The case, yeah. um I assumed, but I didn't meet her until our first rehearsal, and we're on the set, and she comes up to me, and literally the first sentence that comes out of her mouth, "Have you done a multi-cam sitcom before?"
0: That's all she cares about. That that tracks one hundred percent with who <laughs> Raven is. I'm not not surprised <laughs> me at all. Oh, <laughs> She's like, are you slow? Are you going to slow me down? <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally.
1: And I am mad at her for it because oh, her name's on that show. It's true. Um, That's her legacy. Man. And I said, no. And she started laughing. And the Raven laugh.
0: I know that laugh.
1: And I said, oh, shit. I just <laughs> fucked up majorly. I just fucked up. Like, they're already recasting me. <laughs> um, but she was very sweet. Once she finished laughing, because she laughed for a good minute, um, cackle. It's more like a cackle. Yeah. Again, love Raven. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so her she stopped laughing and then she said, okay, well, let me give you some advice. And she and you better it. listen to that advice. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it was good advice. <laughs> yeah. She just gave me the rundown. She was like, you know, you're not mic'd. You have to project. The cameras aren't going to follow you. Make sure you know where you're delivering your line. This is like live theater. Like, be funny. Use your body. Timing. Keep up.
0: Keep up, bitch. <laughs> And I did. Of course you did.
1: I did because I like
0: bitch, I've been acting my whole life. This whole world is a theater for me. I mean, I
1: I'm telling you, Raven is a completely different level. It's yeah. insane watching her. I tried to tell people I it did a whole YouTube insane. video about it. It <laughs> yeah. is in. I don't think nobody will ever fully understand until they watch it in or person. Agreed. Um, the amount of talent in that body is insane. Um, so, yeah, so uh, did the rehearsal that whole week because you know it takes a week for one episode Mm -hmm. of that whole week of like rehearsals and fittings and all that she was very distant very distant she wasn't rude she wasn't mean she was welcoming but she was very much i'm here to do a job this is my job my name's on the show i'm here to get it done and i know
0: i know exactly what you're talking about i've sat in on um the uh like the the read-throughs because yeah. I was I was looking to shadow to direct at Disney, and that's been very difficult. I oh, and
1: th- Raven directing is a completely different beast. Okay, like doing when we we're doing episodes where Raven direct Raven's directing, mm-hmm. that's a whole different beast, mm-hmm. a good beast, a again.
0: good good. Well, I think she just she's just. It's got to be so empowering and also heavy wears the the crown, you know, heavy is the head no. that wears the crown kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is why when she was being distant our first week, I did not take it personal okay. at all. Mm-hmm. I said, here is this person, this professional who has been literally been doing this since she was like, what, four years old? She's I think younger. To, probably younger. I think so. Yeah. yeah, she was younger on Cosby, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Nonstop since that. She's used to so many people and new people coming in and out. That's true. She's used to people using her, trying to take advantage of her name, her status, all of that. I said, okay, so I'm going to do what a professional actor should do. Show up, do my job, be nice. If she wants to be friends, great. If she doesn't want to be friends, great. But I'm going to let her decide that. I'm not going to get like in her way or like annoy her. The second episode was when she was like, "All right, bitch, you're cool. We can be friends." Um, because I show, I proved that I belong there. Because my character was only supposed to be two episodes, and here I am on season six now.
0: You know what? I think it goes back to what you were saying. You were like, "I love me," kind of thing. Like yeah. I take care of myself. I know myself so well. And I think, I mean, when you've been around that many people, it's a survival instinct to be like, "Okay, who's good for me? Who's..." Not good for me. And yeah. the only way that she could, she's survived by now, is to know. Like, yeah. and her wife seems amazing. So it's exciting, you know. When I saw Raven um come out, and I, I I sat back, you know, I knew when she was not out. And I mean, it it's been wild to see Disney's yeah. reaction and acceptance of it. And um, and I I'm it's wild, it's crazy. Yeah, especially you were a fan of Di- old old golden era Disney. So I'm, I'm so. I'm a fan
1: dead. of. Literally, your days. <laughs> Call me beat me.
0: All of the shit. All of it. And it's all coming back. It's and all. And that's
1: just the bizarre part, is that I'm literally living a version of my life that I could not have dreamt.
0: That's amazing.
1: Also just know and understand that, you know, your podcast is called Vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more vulnerable that you can do in your life, then open your mind past what you've been taught and told to allow yourself to see a human being who is literally just fighting to be understood, fighting to be seen, fighting to go to the bathroom. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like basic human things that we should all have. And the only reason we don't have it or the only reason why people keep trying to strip it away from us. Um, I mean, there are many reasons, but one of the biggest ones is that, at least this is how I feel, trans people hold a mirror to everybody else. That makes them look into themselves and realize how they are failing themselves. And that makes them uncomfortable with us. Because how could a person who lives in a world that has all these laws. That has media telling us the world, telling the world it's okay to brutalize this group of people to make jokes of them. An administration that does the same. How could this group of people still get up out of their beds, live their lives happily, or tr- at least try to, like, be firm in who they are and not waver in it, even if you hold a gun to them and the reality is, is that most people on this planet can't even like get out of a marriage that they don't wanna be in.
0: That's true, they're very limited. They're emotional they're IQ. Emotional.
1: Get out of a job they don't wanna be in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Their parents have told them they have to live a certain life and they go to their grave literally miserable and have wasted their life on someone else's dream and plan for them. And here is a person, a trans person who, has none of the support, none of the the, um, the means, none of the, the tools that the rest of the world has to achieve that place of aligning yourself with who you are and being proud of it and using it to let your life flourish into what it's meant to be. And yet we still do it. Mm-hmm. We still do it and we risk our lives to do it.
0: And trans folks are not asking much. Can you can you can you just tell me a little bit more about that? I am curious. Yeah. Because I, I mean, know I want to vocalize this.
1: Yeah. I mean the the I mean my favorite was the the conservative headline that said, uh Disney's newest degenerate, Juliana Joel. And I was like, oh I should get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I should catch in <laughs> on that one. Uh, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I really should. Um, oh God. Yeah, just all these parents. Oh, I'm I'm canceling Disney. We need to boycott Disney. Here they go trying to groom, uh, their uh, groom our kids. Yeah. Funny story. I was at Rondell Sheridan's house a couple weekends ago. He plays Victor Baxter, um, Raven's dad on that a Raven. Yeah. He told me that before he came back to the show like to the episodes where he was gonna be like on the same episode as me, so he didn't know I was cast yet or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, His neighbor came up to him and said, Rondell, what's going on with Disney? They're hiring transgenders now? I'm like, first of all, that's not how you say it. If you're gonna insult me, at least insult me correctly. (laughs) And I was just like, really? Really? Like, what do you think I'm going to do on that show? You think I'm going to get on there and teach kids how to inject themselves with hormones? No. My character doesn't even talk about being trans. Raven brings it up once, and it's nothing. I think
0: coexisting peacefully is very important.
1: I am not the poster child of the community. I don't represent every trans person on the planet. I have many views that some of my trans siblings won't agree with that we have not discussed on this podcast. (laughs) So I just, I remind myself that it's amazing. It is such a blessing. It truly is to be in this place in my life where I'm literally, I've literally become the person I wish I had, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: literally. And now that some kid has that as they're growing up, that they don't have to go without the way I did. um, It makes me very emotional. And I'm just grateful. Again, all of this has just made me immensely, immensely grateful and has reminded me that even what I may think I'm capable of, it's nowhere near what I actually am capable of. Mm -hmm. Because my mind can only think so far, imagine so big. I can only paint the picture perfectly the way I want it a certain way. But if you really align yourself with who you are and really believe in yourself, that perfect picture, the world will paint a version of it that you could not have imagined.
0: That's so beautiful.
1: And so that's what I think of when I read that stuff, to not, to not fall into my moments of doubt. Because it's not easy. Yeah, I'm on Disney, but okay. Mm-hmm. How long is that gonna last?
0: I say that's a job. That's one that's job. That's a job.
1: That's one job. Yeah. I have to keep going.
0: Yeah. You don't need to politicize it so much. It's just yeah. one job. Yeah.
1: Um yeah. and I don't politicize it. Oh,
0: not you. Meaning no, like oh, yeah they yeah. don't need to politicize oh, yeah. it. No. Meaning, like this is just like I'm saying about this coexisting thing. It's like we don't need <clears throat> to politicize advocacy and just existing, like you're, mm-hmm. like everyone wants to make it a thing and it's better if we just don't <laughs> make it a thing. My
1: existence is my advocacy.
0: Exactly, I love that. I really yeah. appreciate you chatting with me.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you.
0: I don't know, was I okay? Did I? Are you kidding me? I don't know, man.
1: No, you're amazing. I, okay. Um, the most important thing is that you've created a safe space. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, I don't know her. You like, don't know me. She might be doing this to be performative. Disney, y'all know. (laughs) (laughs) She might just be trying to take a box. Okay, great. I got a trans person on my podcast, so I can't be canceled. I don't know that. But I can tell that um, with you and your team that there is beautiful intention and that that is not a facade. You are truly being vulnerable, allowing people to be vulnerable in hopes that, we all just continue to grow and align with ourselves um so i thank you the other true <laughs> disney icon
0: <laughs> you are raven can have that raven can have the queen i think she really deserves it after all you can time. both have and crowns i love her and uh, she knows i love her i think she knows i love her
1: I i'll tell her please tell her oh i'm bringing please, her here
0: please keep existing for everyone and and um really inspiring me like i'm gonna be rooting for you
1: like for a long time this better not be the last time i see you i know We're i really married.
0: i really i know we, we <laughs> you need to meet, you need to meet everybody right i need to meet the family exactly really i'm i'm truly rooting for you um and i hope that um i hope i fucking just i just i just want to keep you safe
1: girl me too yeah
0: i got you i got your back okay (laughs) thanks so much for checking out this episode of the vulnerable podcast for clips of this episode go ahead and check out the podco youtube channel links in the description